The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. First and 12. A total roundup of this weekend's BYU football and the new look Big 12 Conference. First and 12 is sponsored by Macy's Grocery Store. Your hosts are Mitch Harper and Alex Keery on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday to all of you, Big 12 fans out there. Mitch Harper, Alex Keery. Coming to you from Fort Worth, Texas, Cowtown, Stockyards. Yeah, still down here in Texas, re- getting ready to uh, recap all the action from Big 12 football this past weekend, Week 7. Alex, man, that was a beatdown for BYU to TCU. We'll, we'll get to all of it, but, man, that was a tough <laughs> loss. It was a tough one, you know, and it was uh, – I, you know what's funny about a loss like that, too, is you would think, oh, man, I, there's just not a lot to say about that. There's actually surprisingly so many numbers that I kind of can't wait to get into where you just be like, you'll be shocked by how much craziness that went on in that game that went against BYU in terms of being able to win a football game. And it it almost felt a little bit like they got caught up to, uh, you know, based off of how they had been sort of playing weeks before, Mitch. But, uh, yeah, it was a tough one. We'll get into that. We've got all sorts of things to jump into, but why don't we just get going with everything? Since this is a Big 12-centered show, let's get to our Big 12 headlines. 12. 12 headlines. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. The dozen storylines that shape this week of Big 12 football. Headline 1. We'll start here in Fort Worth as BYU falls to TCU 44-11. to Alex, I don't even think the score was as close as that would indicate. I think TCU could have put up a 60-piece on BYU. It was a tough day for BYU. Yeah, you know, interesting, like, there were a lot of TCU mistakes now that you bring it up. There were a lot of things that they sort of just set themselves back, but no problem. They had the game literally won points-wise in the first two and a half minutes of play. And I think that as soon as that pick six was thrown by, uh, by Keaton Slovis, that thing had already sort of written itself. It was like nobody could recover from that. Interestingly enough, considering that BYU had been behind so many other times, it had come back earlier in the season. But there you go. BYU gets absolutely blasted. Headline two is from that very game. Josh Hoover gets his first start. We did not respect the process, Mitch. These kids, they go through the process. Somebody finally gave me a shot, he said, after the game. It was Sonny Dykes. And Josh Hoover throws for 400 yards in his first career start. He just needed a chance. That's all he needed. That's that's all that everybody ever needs, right? I mean, the guy goes in there, throws the ball almost 60 times, 437 yards through the air, four touchdowns, the two picks that absolutely did not matter at all. It was an absolute career day for anybody, but certainly a guy who's brand new at TCU and Josh Hoover. Crazy day for him. That's how they got the win was, was uh, on his back. Hoover was outstanding. We'll get to more of that BYU-TCU game a little bit later this hour headline number three we talked about this last week alex kansas state they make a switch at quarterback avery johnson he rushes for five touchdowns that's the most by a big 12 player since 2011 last guy to do that from the quarterback position was colin klein his oc he leads kansas state to a win on the road over texas tech 38 to 21 yeah they needed it too i mean considering what they had just come off of loss wise and they were at Texas Tech. That was a tough win for K-State. No reason uh, to believe that they're going to be just totally heading in a downward uh, spiral. So there you go. They get the win. Number four, Texas Tech's quarterback, Baron Morton, gets hurt. And their freshman, Jake Strong, comes in. 
doesn't get enough done. I think he's got a lot of promise, but my goodness, Texas Tech at home uh, getting beat by a couple of touchdowns by Kansas State, and it's not good to see your quarterback go down ever. Headline number five, what a way to start the Big 12 week of action this week was Houston. They completed a Hail Mary on Thursday night to defeat West Virginia in the Dana Holgerson Bowl. <laughs> the Dana Holgerson Bowl. I mean, hey, anytime you're supposed to like put chalk something up for a win or a loss as to how it's supposed to, quote-unquote, go in the Big 12, here comes Houston and goes, hey, this is, this is where the AAC Mitch playing their guys on Thursday and Friday nights they go, oh, we're used to this, man. <laughs> they do it. West Virginia's like, I don't even know what hit us, man. That that Hail Mary was uh, ridiculous, and it was just a fun way to end that game. Congrats to Houston. They get a win over uh, West Virginia. They get their first conference win. Headline number six, West Virginia. They almost had it done. They had 12 seconds left. They scored a touchdown on a fourth down play and thought, oh, West Virginia's going to go to 5-1. and one. They're going to remain undefeated in Big 12 play, but they couldn't finish the job. Yeah, no reason to think not, too, when you go into a situation like that. Uh, just one of those crazy plays. It's a low percentage, but it converts sometimes. Oklahoma State, headline number seven here. Ollie Gordon putting up 284 yards of total offense, 168 on the ground, 116 uh, through the air. And uh, Kansas, I don't know who they are anymore. We don't know who uh, Oklahoma State is anymore. We'll hear from Mike Gundy a little bit later in the show, but 39-32, they get the win over Kansas. Yeah, that was a nice win. Oklahoma State bouncing back because we – had them at the bottom of this league. And just they keep have them there, Mitch. Just, back. just, just in case. Back. Just in case. Because these teams keep changing so much. You'll be like, look, they'll be back there next week. Just keep them there. This Like, we're having to – we're running out of dry erase markers at the station here, man. We can't keep moving these teams around the board like this, dude. This week, I'm telling you, folks, stay tuned to hour number two, the power rankings. It was a mess. It's ridiculous. But we're going to put it together still. Headline number eight, Iowa State's Rocco Beck, quarterback, Throws three touchdowns as they roll through Cincinnati. Beck's, you know, turning it up. They're fi- starting starting to find an identity after all the losses they had early in the season with the gambling scandal. <laughs> Iowa State settling in at three and one. All right, how are we like suddenly getting Iowa State like more <laughs> consistent than anybody else in the conference? I have actually no idea why. Headline number nine: Cincinnati still has not won a game in Big Twelve play. Four game losing streak for the Bearcats. Not looking good for them. But uh, hey, it's conference play. Everybody's trying to deal with it. Let's go. Headline number 10, if America doesn't love the Big 12, this stat should tell them why they should start to love Big 12 football. Four of the five winners in the Big 12 this week were underdogs. The lone underdog that didn't get it done was <laughs> BYU. You know, and they've been underdogs all all, uh, all year, it seemed like, especially in conference play. This one was uh, as about as embarrassing as you could get when it comes to that. Headline 11, uh, the top three teams right now in the Big 12. You ready for this, Mitch? <laughs> okay, Oklahoma, 3-0, and fine. Iowa State, the Cyclones roll up and go. Or they're three and one right now, just as we had it. And then there's four teams at two and one. It's <laughs> I don't even know what to say about this conference right now. They'll probably have a couple guys in the college football playoff at the at the end of this whole thing, right, Mitch? Come on. You would. I think Oklahoma's <laughs> got to probably win out if they want to get to the playoff. I mean, because please. If somebody's, they lose one game, it's probably going to be to a three or four loss team. <laughs> somebody's got to do it. And finally, headline number twelve. Those newcomers, as we just mentioned, are 2-10. and 10. Conference play is real. They told everybody. They told us. But uh, first 12 league games for those newcomers, they're 2-10, and 10, including BYU, who's 1-2 and two, uh, in all of that. So only one win against the original 10 members uh, as well. So those are your first 12 headlines from an absolute mess of a Saturday. 
I mean, when you look at it, this is why we love college football. This is why we why we dip in so much to this sport that we love, Mitch, is that the Big 12 is an absolute, like, I mean, it, it is the perfect example of any given Saturday, these teams will roll up, or a Thursday or a Friday, as we saw, these teams will roll up, and they're just eating their own right now. And I kind of love it. I kind of hate it. I uh, hated it for BYU today, but I do like that in any game that goes forward right now, Vegas is getting so nervous. They just don't even know how to call these games at this point. I love it. And it's so volatile at the quarterback spot, too. I mean, the, the names that we were talking about in those headlines, Avery Johnson, Jake Strong at Texas Tech, Rocco Beck. I mean, these were names that none of us were discussing preseason, and now they're going to be, seems like, the key guys in the near future for right. these teams. It's just a wild league right now. And, yeah, Oklahoma and Texas were on buys this weekend, but – this league, again, it's just expect the unexpected because crazy things are going to happen every single week. Uh, speaking of the unexpected, you're going to get the Offensive Player of the Week. No doubt your Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week is going to be Josh Hoover, speaking of surprises. Let's get into that, though, when we come back. How this TCU 44-BYU 11 game really played out. Like I said, I've got some insane numbers, Mitch, that I'm going to roll past you. We're going to hear some sound as well from Kalani Satake and his explanation. I mean, they worked their tails off to get ready for that game, and so it's even more depressing when you see that they uh, end up losing to the fashion that they did because they were not expecting anything like this. Let's take that first break. We'll come back. It is first and twelve. Heard right here on KSL News Radio and on the KSL Sports Zone every Sunday. You can tune in ten to noon and on KSL again this afternoon at, from three to five. Plus the podcast. My heavens, download the podcast. Find it wherever you can. Catch up on all the big on the Big Twelve headlines across the league. More to go around the corner. It's right here. It's first and 12. Read all the stories about BYU sports no one else has heard. Go to kslsports.com for exclusive columns by BYU insider Mitch Harper. That's kslsports.com. That's right. You can hear Mitch Harper on KSL News Radio for Cougar Sports Saturday. Cougar Nation tomorrow. He and Matt Biamonte are going to be fielding calls. We fielded calls in our post game yesterday <laughs> after the BYU and TCU game had ended, and I thought, oh, no one's going to call in on this one. Au contraire, Mitch. There's a lot of folks who are going to want to call, and you're going to hear a lot of uh, a lot of things, a lot of opinions on uh, who should go, who should stay, who should be benched. I always love the uh, the quick trigger on the grumpy fan in that moment. But uh, so Cougar Nation uh, tomorrow night on KSL News Radio, it's going to be an amazing one. You don't want to miss it. Our show is first and 12. That's what you're listening to right now on the KSL Sports Zone and on KSL News Radio every Sunday and on podcasts. Go download it wherever you find fine podcasts. All brought to you by Macy's Grocery Store. Happy shopping. Let's get the breakdown going here, Mitch. 44 to 11, that was the big one. And the storyline, of course, was really the ineptitude of BYU, but it was also Josh Hoover's coming out party, a backup that we all looked at and went, well, there you go. BYU's going to be able to steal this one from the Horn Frogs and instead, in comes Josh Hoover, who throws the ball almost 60 times. Amani Bailey, who we're expecting to get 150, 180 yards on the ground, 63 yards on the ground because all they did was go, hey, Hoover, slinging it, man. And he did it, 437 yards through the air for Hoover. It was an absolute master class by a guy who we'd never seen do anything, Mitch. He was outstanding. And let me just say this to Kendall Bryles. He probably wants to call every game against BYU. <laughs> because this guy just torches BYU. Last year when he was the OC at Arkansas, 644 yards. Oh, of this course. This year with TCU, 584 yards against two different DCs. 
that tempo of TCU was just outstanding. And that's the thing, too. Different than the Arkansas game, where the Arkansas you know, early had one or two plays that swung it to a 14-0 lead. This was a pick six, but then also seven-play drive that just they just moved down the field with ease on BYU and set the tone that they were far and away the better team. They had more speed. BYU looked like they were stuck in mud. And to your point about you know fans calling in and, and saying who's in, who needs to be benched, who right. needs to be fired, I think this is one of those games – that recalibrates everything, all the expectations, all the good wow. fortune that was built in September. I feel like that was lost on Saturday because 100%. Ke- Keaton Slovis now, I feel like I'm not putting all the blame on him, but I'll tell you, next week if he has another poor performance, maybe a bad first half, you got to start getting ready for Jake Retzlaff because that was an abysmal performance from that BYU offense. And Aaron Roderick needs a shoulder blame, but Keaton Slovis does as well. It, it just was not – a good day at all, and that pick six was was the worst possible thing that could happen, and it just set the tone. It snowballed from there. It was crazy because he kind of stepped into the throw, right? Like it was a third and five, the very first play from scrimmage. Mitch, I'm watching because you know I've got I've got a lot of uh, time invested into Connor Pay, right? Who who yep. gets moved over to center, and he comes on our show every week, and I'm like I'm I'm rooting for this guy because he's awesome to interview. He's a great dude. And they want to get this thing going. And center is his position, right? I mean, that's that's where he's used to playing. He knows how to run block. That's his strength. And the very first play from scrimmage, seven yards out of L.J. Martin, right up the gut, right? And so you go, hey, let's get this thing going. Then they lose a yard on the next play. And then the third and five is where you're gifted a pick six that was thrown straight to a defender. And, and you know, I, I, I looked at it and I went, I went back and I'm going, where on earth was that read coming from? I know there was a late. Uh, blitz kind of came straight up the middle that he started he started to step forward and then immediately kind of oh a little bit of a of a short arm throw and that's what ended up getting it right to the TCU defender and the pick six and then they never got it back they never got it back Mitch there was and I say they I mean he never got anything back there was there was never any swagger there was never any confidence and all the things that you had seen him build right from the time that everyone looked and went what's going on during that Sam Houston game Keaton Slovis went back to basics of looking like he was that pit quarterback from last year who was so inept in a lot of games and, and looked like he was out of sorts. And it was weird because they prepped so much for this game. I know Kalani, who we're going to hear from, made mention of that, that they had prepared so much for that for this game. But I, I want to throw some numbers out there, Mitch, because I, I wanted to, to bring some things up that were like a shock to me. I like looking into some of the crazy numbers. One of the biggest ones is the third down uh, uh, conversions by TCU were just crazy. I mean, at one point they were 12 for 14 on third downs. And you remember it seemed like every time it was third and long, slant pass, right? And they would oh, just yeah. convert every one of those things. And it was like there was no way of defending it. And and they ended up like 12 or 13 for 19. That wasn't the one that stood out to me. It was what happened on first downs, okay? BYU on first down gained 68 yards through the day. Total on all the first downs, they had 25 first downs that they attempted, right? Where it's first and 10, and they make yeah. that 68 yards. Any guesses on TCU's first down conversion, or not first down conversion, first down yardage that they gained throughout the day? Now they had 580, I'd right? I'd say probably eight or nine. No, but what was the yardage that they had gained total? Oh, a total? So BYU's would, total was 68, okay? So what was their I'll total go, just on first down? I'll go 280. Okay. 300. 
Wow. Okay? You th- you overshot it with 280, right? Yeah. 300 yards just on first down. Wow. They gained 7.8 yards on average on first down. Okay? 300 yards on f- just one down through the game is an insanely embarrassing number. Like, we – we do. That's not a number we even ever talk about, but it is such a, bl- a glaringly ridiculous number, Mitch, and I'm fired up about it because it's so embarrassing. Like to give up that many yards, you're never going to get that back. You're never going to have a time of possession battle. You're never going to have any kind of like that means you didn't stop anything. If you can't stop it on first down, you didn't stop anything, and they didn't. And the only times that they did were self-inflicted uh, penalties or the two turnovers that they had, which they immediately got right back. You know, the, it's like Eddie Hecker gets a pick. Who cares? Uh, you know, strip sack on, in the next two plays, right? So it was just – there were a lot of embarrassing things, but 584, almost 600 yards of offense, those are the types of numbers. It happens to be Ke- uh, Kendall Bryles from last year, uh, right, from the Arkansas game where everybody goes, I don't know if I like this coaching staff, right? That's what got it go- going. And certainly there's a lot that, that you're going to look at I'm not the guy that goes change the coaching staff, but I am one of those guys that goes, hey, exactly what you said. You nailed it. This reset everything. <laughs> like, it's coming out of a timeout. The bye week is like coming out of it and, and having a performance like this is coming out of a TV media timeout and having two false starts in a row. Like, yeah. it is absolutely embarrassing, and it's not a good way to, to get things going. I know 4-2 and two sounds okay, but it feels worse right now. It does, and here's another stat for you too, Alex, to highlight the issues for BYU. Stop rate. Those are when defense is in drives with a, with a opposing punt, a interception, yes. a forced fumble. BYU only had 16% stop rate. TCU, 73%. They just suffocated Jeez. BYU. There was a brief moment when BYU got it down to 24-8. to They had that fourth down conversion with Chase Roberts, and you thought for a moment maybe BYU could make this interesting. <laughs> but then TCU, to their credit, Moved down the field, next drive, and they put their foot on the gas and scored. That, to yeah. me, was one of the more impressive possessions from Hoover and this TCU attack. They just moved at will on BYU. And I think, you know, with the, the coaching staff, that was an inexcusable performance for Kalani's team to come out of a bye when you're well-rested. And TCU was the team that was reeling. They were the ones that had their backs against the wall. They lacked any sort of identity. Their head coach saying they're not playing winning football. BYU is. And that's how you come out and play. That, that's just inexcusable. And you brought up Connor Pay. I, I am glad that they switched Connor Pay back to center because you're right, Alex. That is where his future, if he's going to make money in the NFL, it's going to be at center. But yep. why is it happening now? In the springtime, he takes every snap at center while Paul Miley's out with an injury. And you would think at that moment, okay, he's had all that continuity with Keaton Slovis at the center position. Why not keep playing him in the fall? These issues happened out of the gate in week one against Sam Houston. Why suddenly do they make the change after a bye week? Look, I, I admire the uh, thought to change things up, but it's like, why didn't you make these changes sooner? Because now you're at the midway point, and it feels like you got to make some changes again. Daryl Funk, the offensive line coach, his seat's got to be turning up a little bit. It yeah, has yeah. to because once you make this sort of change and it still doesn't work, man, what else do you turn to? I know Kalani doesn't make changes on the staff in season. He never no. will. Mm-hmm. But that that just that position they've got talent and they're underperforming at such a, a high level. Like it, it's just got to get better, Alex. And that is where it all starts for BYU is at the offensive line. That is where the core of the problems, and they are underachieving. It was uh, a mess most of the most of the day. It felt like they were not just playing from behind, but uh, it felt like it was really 
just an uphill battle they were never going to win. And you know, there were there were little things too. Was it Crew Wakely who had the uh who had the most ridiculous unsportsmanlike? Yes. Like what? What a killer! Can't right? do that, man. What Can't a killer! Because you are you're you you just barely got one, and I get trying to get your guys going or whatever. But I mean, it's twenty four to eight, and you're right. They scored with forty seconds left in the first in the first half. Like scoring. Okay, I'm gonna bring something up here before we get out. I know we're gonna take a break here before we get to Kalani's comments in the next segment, but I, I couldn't help but draw the comparison to the Oregon game last year. Uh, mm-hmm. In the sense that they they go in because I think it, 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 at the end of the third quarter last year it was thirty eight to seven. I went back and looked at the end of that at the end of the third quarter in Oregon because it was a game that that was from the beginning you they were outplayed right. It, it just was they walked into that place and it was like hey there's some hope here and I'll tell you <laughs> what you remember this I mean you remember yes. you were there in Eugene it was one of those games that not for one second did you feel like BYU had something going. And and again, same thing at the half. They, they they score right before the half. It makes it uh it it was just an unachievable goal. Like you just knew that they did not have any ability to be able to come back from the numbers that they had when it was thirty one to eight. Uh, you know, we're looking around at the studio, we're going, This is I don't know how to I don't know how to talk about this. And the unfortunate thing is in a game like that you talk about how ridiculous and how bad the the numbers were. All right, we'll take our break. We'll come back, we'll listen to some Kalani Satake uh uh quotes uh, and some some of his podium talk. And some of the questions that they fielded, including uh, some that Mitch threw out there, but uh, we've all we've got it all right here. Now, now we got mad, Mitch. What's going on here? We're supposed to have. I know it was a bad game yesterday, but but we're supposed to like forget about it. Let's have some fun on a Sunday, can't we? Or, or is it not we possible? Can have some fun. Like we'll, we'll get, I mean, that big okay. power ranking is just around the corner. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, that will be fun. All right, we'll come back. More to go. It's all brought to you by Macy's. Happy shopping. They bring you Person Twelve every week right here. So. Appreciate their sponsorship. We'll come right back. More to go around the corner. Stay with us. The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. First and 12. A total roundup of this weekend's BYU football and the new look Big 12 Conference. First and 12 is sponsored by Macy's Grocery Store. Your hosts are Mitch Harper and Alex Keery on KSL News Radio and the KSL Sports Zone. We're fired up on this Sunday afternoon. How could you not after that weekend that was for BYU? The Cougars fall to TCU 44 to 11. Mitch Harper, Alex Keery, I'm coming to you from Fort Worth. And yesterday I was on location at M&G Carter Stadium in, in the bowels of the, the stadium, lobbying and tossing some questions to Kalani Satake after that difficult loss to the Horn Frogs. And one of the first questions that was tossed to Kalani Satake's way was about Josh Hoover, who just lit up BYU's defense. Yeah, I, I thought that um, l- looking at what maybe what he did last, what Hoover did last week, those are probably plays that were built more for for Morris. And then uh, this week, they, I think they just utilized his talents. I mean, he's a really effective thrower, and, and, um, and he was smart with the ball in his hands. He didn't make a lot of mistakes, and I thought he took necessary risks, you know, and uh, they just seemed to have a really good rhythm going, and, and it was like chunk yardage, big plays, and uh, they just they just did a lot of different things. So uh, um, credit to them. I mean, they have. I, I don't want to just be about the quarterback, but they, their whole team played uh, physical. They're really good. It was a good, sound game plan from all three phases from them. And uh, hats off to the coaches and, and and their players. And having a young quarterback come in and fill in. Um, I'm sure, he got most of the bulk of the reps this week, but didn't get them last last week. But it shows that put some time and effort into these young men. They can do it. And Sonny's a great coach, so he's going to get that done. And um, you know, I'll be cheering for them the rest of the time, but that, that was a it was a tough game, 
uh, tough pill for us to swallow, but we have no choice but to learn from this and get better. But yeah, I thought I thought I thought they did not maybe didn't do things completely different. They didn't change the whole playbook, but I thought they highlighted some of his strengths for sure. Yeah, I, I don't have all the answers to that, Mitch. I, I, th I think that uh, my, I, I just need to do a better job getting them to respond better. I know that uh, having a turnover, pick six, going down early when, and giving up the uh, score on the opening drive for them, you know, being down 14-0, we, we weren't in a position uh, to really fight back from that. We didn't make enough plays and enough stops to get that going. And so um, even when we were having some success and, and be able to get some stops, third downs, they punished us. And, and they, they did that by making third downs a little bit more manageable. You know, they didn't have a lot of third and longs. They, they, they're always on the third and medium to short. So uh, the, the sense of urgency for the team, I knew but do a better job. I, I thought we were we had a great practice, we had, you know, great week of prep, and, and uh, just not not expecting this result from us. Yeah, they had some speed, but I, I didn't think there was anything that really hurt us downfield. It was just the stuff that, that was intermediate plays, and they they could turn. They have athletes. I mean, these receivers have been around. They they got tons of experience, so they could take a, a short throw and turn it into a big play. And it's more like just a chunk yardage, getting eight to ten yards a, ch a, a piece. It wasn't really them opening up the game plan by throwing downfield quite often. It was just it was more about the the stuff that we couldn't stop underneath, and that requires a quarterback with a lot of accuracy. You know, so this this guy he thread the needle quite a bit on us, and and. Um, Man, I was I was really impressed with him. So we, we didn't make things even difficult for him. We didn't we didn't pressure him. We didn't get to him and make things un uncomfortable. But uh, it just goes to show that, that guy has time. He can really hurt you. And uh, you know, the, yeah, hats off to him. I mean, he, he's he's a. I, I thought he made some throws that I wouldn't, wouldn't was not expecting. But uh, you know, they put him in a position where he can feel comfortable and have success, and and he delivered. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if 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 we're we're like this type of team that you can just sit there, line up, and play power run game, you know. Um, but I don't think it's the lineup change at all. I think it's a combination of things. And I, I really I said this before. You guys heard me say it last last couple of weeks. We just want to get points on the board. And so whatever we're doing isn't working as well because we didn't get enough points. And like to see more points on the board. So whatever it takes, it doesn't really matter. I'm not, I'm not holding, holding us to anything. I'm not trying to handcuff us to anything. I just get points on the board, get big plays, get chunk yardage, and, and uh, get first downs. And, and we can do that. Then, then I'll be happy. Yeah, I was obviously. I mean, when you, when you score 11 points, that's not going to make anybody happy, you know. Um, but the disappointment isn't just on the offense. It's on all three phases. I, I thought, uh, uh, and then the thing is, but you don't want to get so down that all you do is just complain about what we didn't do. I, I think we we didn't we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot as much as as, as people want to say. I I think we have to be accountable for what we've done, but I think you have to give credit to TCU making plays, um, and and we didn't help ourselves in some ways. But uh, I, this, in my mind, this shouldn't have been uh, such a big discrepancy in the scoreboard, and so we we needed help from all three phases, didn't get it. And when you go 0 for 3, you're going to lose 40, 40, 11. That, that's going to happen. But uh, we'll respond from this. We'll get better. We have no choice. And uh, I'd like to see our team make the steps forward and get that identity that I thought TCU did all in this one game. I thought 
Um, this is going to be a new, a different type of TCU team. You're going to see play from here on out. You can kind of sense that we need to make that same type of uh, improvement from now until we take the field next week. Yeah. So there's Kalani Sataki. Mitch. One of the things that stood out there is that I mean they're shocked. They were shocked, right? And that's yeah. that's never a good look for a coaching staff to go. We went in and these guys have been prepping for almost 15 days for TCU exclusively because of the bye week, and they got back to basics, all the stuff that we'd heard of last week, and then Kalani and his guys uh, reeling now. And and uh, that's no rest for the wicked when you're in that when you're in that conference. That's kind of the good news, too. Go right I, to prep for Texas Tech next week. I think one thing that stood out from the commentary from Kalani and also the players, too, Keenan Slovis and A.J. Vongfachan, I think they misread their hand when it came to Hoover. I think they thought that he was going to keep running the ball like Chandler Morris did quite mm-hmm. often. Yep. I think this defense misread things, and they thought the run was going to be consistently turned to, and it just never happened. And they Hoover just kept slinging the ball, and I think that caught them off guard. And, and that's kind of surprising a little bit with the Jay Hill defense because I think one of the traits of Jay Hill – is that he's always going to be so dialed in. And look, Jay Hill has turned this thing around in so many ways, and he he deserves some leniency. He inherited one of the five worst defenses in college football mm. last year, and he's turned it around pretty well. Like they're, they're a good group, but they got exposed a bit. I think they misread their hand, and, and that showed going up against a backup quarterback in Hoover who set the world on fire and now joins – the world of Jeff Ballard and Cody Vaz <laughs> and Brett Ratliff oh, as the backup stop. quarterbacks to just torch BYU. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I thought and listen, there's enough. To, like you said, a, what was Ballard was he was a practice squad guy, right? <laughs> Wasn't that the yes. deal? It was like, yes. and then he hey, B, he hey stepped in BYU for Ty in Gun. He comes in and go. What, that was a 52-50 game, wasn't it? Or fifty-one? Yeah, fifty-one fifty. Fifty-one fifty. Oh my gosh! Think about all the times. It's not. It's a rivalry, except for when BYU's lost the last five in a row against TCU. Now, all right, right. we'll take the break. We'll come back when we do. Uh, we've got a lot to jump into. Of course, uh, it's that time of the week where we get into our featured game, and it was that Thursday night game. I know you wouldn't have thought to yourself that this was going to be a featured game, but because of how this thing ended, and also because uh, it's another team who just got a crazy win uh, over a team that they were not supposed to beat. We're going to talk about it next. Houston and West Virginia. It's our Big 12 featured game of the week. Stay with us. Can't get enough BYU football? Listen to Cougar Nation. Mitch Harper takes your calls Monday nights from 6 to 7 on KSL News Radio. Podcast at KSLNewsRadio.com. All right, welcome back. It is first and 12. Alex Curie here. You can hear me every day on Unrivaled, 3 to 6 on the KSL Sports Zone. And then, of course, Mitch Harper, as you just heard the voice say, uh, uh, Cougar Nation is going to be an interesting one tomorrow for you guys. Which, look, don't don't shy away from it. you you got to be the guy who hosts the, uh, you know, the hurt feelings of some of those fans, for man. Sure. It, this has got to be one of those talk therapy sessions, all right? Get that cognitive therapy going. Be like, yeah, hey, get- who hurt you? Which offensive coordinator hurt you in your past? To where you feel like this? I'll go full on. You got to be, you got to be Dr. Ruth on this thing, minus all the uh, innuendo. Uh, I right. agree. <laughs> all those people that had the hot takes on X, they got to bring it on the phone line. I'm I know. Here for you. We're Let's, here for you. <laughs> See, but you know what's funny is when they actually get in person, when they actually even get in the voice or get get their voice over the phone. Then they go, and look, I like the guy, you know, but on, on X, they're going, <laughs> I, get me Jake Rep's laugh. Get me 
the head of Aaron Roderick on a platter. Like, the, you start to get that, that kind of stuff on Twitter. And then when you ask them about it, they go, I actually like him a lot. And you're like, okay, which one is it? Uh, all right, so our big 12 featured game of the week. It's all brought to you by Macy's Grocery Store, by the way. Every time that Mitch and I get together for first and 12 on a Sunday, uh, Macy's Grocery Store, freshest fruits and vegetables, local farms, and your favorite local brands. Macy's Happy Shopping. Uh, this game was picked because, I mean, I, there's a couple of reasons. Like, you might say, well, that's a dog. Houston and West Virginia, going into the season, Mitch, we would have looked at that one and said, that will never be featured on first and 12 for our featured game of the week. And it wasn't just the Hail Mary either that ended that thing that gave Houston its first conference win, I, I, I would like to say. I think that it's also the fact that it's a little bit of what, it's a little bit of a microcosm of what the Big 12 is right now. You got people coming in. You got you have unexpected heroes in these games. You have crazy outcomes that we have never planned for. I don't know what to think about that that game in particular. Houston and West Virginia was supposed to be, and I know they were playing it in Houston. And I know, I know Houston's looking for that first conference win, but and I know whatever you want to say about Dana Holgerson and whether or not, oh no, he's trying to get that win because he you know he's he's over here trying to. Uh, you know, reestablish himself. This is old. That's the old team he used to play for. Let's get it going. And that's not the case. This is not something that you want to actually see somebody, uh, you know, go in and have a, a, a night like this. And, and you go, look, Dana Holgerson. Great. That's a great storyline. Neil Brown. Awesome storyline uh, that you've seen out of him all year. But I, I just really like that West Virginia has been doing so well and that Houston goes not coming at you. It was a great win for Houston, and I think you're right about the how this represents the Big 12, the new Big 12, because it was noteworthy to me, Alex, when you know we had West Virginia at number four in our power rankings last week, and we had Houston dead last, 14th, and the the prognosticators had West Virginia as only a two-point favorite, and you're thinking, I was like, oh, that seems a little bit tight. I know Houston's at home, but... I just think that's what this league is going to be about. And it did represent these wild, wacky, made-for-TV, college football junkie sort of game that has this crazy finish and gets, you know, X and Twitter and social media buzzing a little bit. It's just kind of what it's going to be, I think, in the future. And, yeah, no one was watching, you know, New Year's Six teams or, or playoff teams, but it was just a fun football game. And I think that's what this league is going to be built on. And i got to say, too, the quarterback battle in this one – was pretty good. Garrett Green, he is small for West Virginia, but that dude is tough, and I, I love watching him play. He had 47 yards rushing, 391 through the air, but the guy that won the night, Donovan Smith, he completed his yeah. last 16 attempts. Of course, that last one being the Hail Mary, <laughs> which was tip drill. So much fun, and, and I think, too, Alex, this win was critical for Houston because had Houston lost, I think the, you know, the hot seat always feels like it's kind of there for Holgerson, but Man, that would have been tough to escape had he lost this one. And because they had a lead, and then West Virginia stormed back, and it just this epic swing of emotions. And so that was a much much needed win for Houston. So then you think, okay, what happens next week with these two teams, right? Because the pattern has been so far, you think you know something about a team. Houston's <laughs> starting to figure it out, right? Uh, West Virginia's back to being garbage. And maybe that does happen next week. That's what's crazy about this is, I don't know, they might actually, it might actually turn into that. Like, I don't know why that somebody thinks that this would be, like, this doesn't really indicate anything in this Big 12. 
because West Virginia has been playing actually really good football, and then Houston has not been playing very well. But guess what they did? They game planned and they got ready for that game. I just I, I look at this, and, and, and you should probably, if you're a BYU fan, go, look, if Houston can beat West Virginia on any given night, uh, I mean – because what you don't want is for is to look at the Cincinnati win and then see their four losses in a row and go, well, that's the only reason you won that game is because Cincinnati's garbage, you know, and there's a little bit of that. And then I know that there are BYU fans who watched Arkansas go uh, to 2-5 and five on the season now or whatever it is or, or get their fourth or fifth loss in a row. And they played Alabama a little bit tight, and there was this, there was a friend of mine who reached out and goes, "Hey, we beat uh, Arkansas more than the by, more than what uh, Alabama did. I think that's probably a good sign for us." I go, "Settle your horses. It's forty-four to eleven uh, currently in this BYU game." So it's just funny how fans work. But I couldn't tell you how this league is going to shake out, Mitch. I mean, I, I look across college football and I go, "You know what? Those freaking SEC guys, they have something when it comes to going look." Give us some bad teams at the bottom that we know we can get, you know, certain games out of. Give us just a, a very regular run-of-the-mill middle middle course and then give us the very, very top-heavy teams. And we like that economy because otherwise you get stuff like the Big 12 right now, which is just an insane mess, and I kind of love it. I, I do too, but I will say this. I, I'm buying in on West Virginia. I look at the rest of their schedule, Alex. The next six games, they're at the midway point. They're 4-2. and two. I think they get to eight wins because they've got two of the newcomers still remaining in BYU, or actually three of the newcomers, excuse me, UCF, BYU, and Cincinnati. Their toughest games at Oklahoma. They go at Baylor. They got at UCF, Oklahoma State next week. I think they get to eight. They'll probably be favored in five of their next six games. I like what West Virginia is. And to lose on a fluke play, not fluke, but the Hail Mary, last-second play, that's not going to happen very often. I'm buying in. I, I think they're going to get to a bowl game, and Neil Brown's going to cool off the hot seat, and he's going to probably keep his job for at least another year. Uh, so here's what we got. This was your game of the week. And, again, like I said, I almost, when you put it up there earlier, and I go, hey, look, we're going to have better games uh, <laughs> coming in here uh, with these other ones. We know we're going to be able to put a better game up there, but I think that this was, this was one of those games this week that you look at and you go, this is a little something different that the Big 12 gave you this week. There were a lot of pretty good games uh, across the board in the conference. There were upsets or teams who, you know, beat the spread, teams who were the underdogs, all that stuff. Uh, but I think that you can look at this game and you can say, look, that's a, that's a great win for Houston. And it was a moment where, you know, crazily enough, uh, West Virginia was a, it was a massive favorite in that game. And then here we are. And, of course, we saw something very different. All right, we'll take, uh, we'll take another break here. When we come back, Oh, it's the second hour of first and 12, Mitch. You know what that means? We've got our power rankings. We have all sorts of stuff. We have our, our, uh, our, our whip around across the, the, uh, the entire Western Conference or the Western part of the United States, our, our full-on look at the, uh, at the teams that are coming back into the conference as well as all the teams, of course, and how they performed uh, across this thing, plus our power rankings you don't want to miss. Stay right here. It's first and 12 right here, KSL News Radio and 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone.